Hi, I'm Ayelet Marinovich, your host. Welcome back to Strength in Words, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. Each episode, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, and outline some insight about early development. This series is a time for you to be together and to feel like you're doing something good for and with your baby, small child, or multiple young children. Please do follow your child's lead. I am a speech and language pathologist, and I specialize in work with very young children. But this is not to be confused with speech therapy. This is what I call family enrichment. All suggested activities are meant to be enjoyed by your baby under close adult supervision. For a more complete story of strength and words, Please listen to my introduction episode or visit my website, strengthandwords.com. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to a yellet, hello to the singers, hello, 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 hello to the babies, hello to the toddlers, hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I'll help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name, hello to your name, hello, 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 everybody, hello, everybody, hello, hello, hello. Today we're going to be speaking with Emily Cohen, the pediatric speech-language pathologist behind Tandem Speech Therapy. Let's sing her a warm welcome. Hello to Emily, hello to Emily, hello, 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 hello to the kiddos, hello to the parents, hello, 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 one last time. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. Welcome to episode 47 of the Strength in Words podcast. Today I am speaking with Emily Cohen, a pediatric speech language pathologist, former special education teacher, and owner of Tandem Speech Therapy. Emily is passionate about helping parents explore the ways in which they can convert play and everyday routines into activities that are both fun and beneficial for their children's early language skills. Emily, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here. So I've asked you today to come onto the show to speak a little bit about this term that you are calling playing with purpose, which I love. But first, let's just hear just a few minutes about you. What brought you to the kind of work that you're doing today? Sure. So yeah, like you mentioned, when I went to undergrad, I studied special education and I taught for three years in the public schools in Michigan, which is where I'm from, and decided to go back to graduate school and get my master's in speech language pathology. I graduated about 10 years ago with my degree and eventually ended up in Austin, Texas, where I live now and where I have my private practice, which I just started about six months ago. And previous to that, I had worked in a bunch of pediatric clinics with OTs and PTs, um, doing all kinds of fun, play-related stuff in therapy. And over the course of my few years as an early speech-language pathologist, I was exposed to SLPs who were trained by the Hannon Center. They're 
It Takes Two to Talk program. And I was really fortunate about five years ago to bring the program and have SLPs here in Austin trained along with myself. And that just really informed how I practice as an SLP now. And in watching my friends have children and start to raise young kids, you know, really seeing how valuable play can be and how fun it can be for parents when they really get involved as well. Exactly. Yes, it's so true. So tell us about what it is to play with purpose. Sure. So I have to give credit to my girlfriend, Shira, who gave me the idea. And she, early on when I was starting my private practice, she's like, you know, you have all these really great ideas for me for the toys that I play with, with my son. And why don't you create one of those subscription boxes where you mail parents toys and you give them ideas. And there are fantastic SLPs who have had that idea, which is great. We've had um, some of them on here, actually. Yeah. And that piece of business wasn't really interesting to me, running a subscription company. And so I morphed her idea and decided to write a series on my blog about it. So really the idea is about you know, I think we hear a lot in popular culture about being intentional in our day-to-day lives. So it's really about sort of focusing in and being a little bit more intentional when you're playing with your child. Little small things you can do to really focus in and help them build speech and language skills during things that you're already doing without really having to go out and buy anything new or do all this reading and have to learn a lot of new stuff. It's just kind of tweaking what you're already doing. Yes, exactly. But I know parents are super busy and don't have a lot of extra time on their hands to be thinking and figuring out and planning a ton. Right. And I love what you said about how it's just, it's using the things that we already are doing and already have at our fingertips and then making these minor changes. So tell us about that. What are some specific little tweaks that parents can make with their interactions to become more purposeful in their play? Yeah. So I think a really beneficial thing that we teach parents in the hand-in program is about trying to sit and engage with kids when we play face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And so we know kids learn language and speech from a few different things. And one of the things that they have to do is be able to watch us. And so when we're sitting face-to-face with kids, they can watch us and see our mouths, how we're forming words and putting words together. And that's going to give them better acoustics for listening, which is also a really important component for learning language. But the other important thing about it is that it lets us tune in to what our children are doing. And, you know, lots of kids early on communicate much more subtly than we might be conscious of. And so it allows us to pick up as a parent or a caregiver, maybe some of those more subtle pieces of communication, like looking at an object that they want, maybe when they don't have the word for it. And then that allows you to give the child feedback and sort of sets up that reciprocal exchange that we have. They've done something, we respond, they do something again, we respond. Yes, which is exactly what a conversation is. Right. Great. That's a wonderful place to start. What else can we do? I have some of my stuff that I brought with me today here. So some of my favorite techniques that I teach in the Hannon program are sort of ways that we can contrive and adjust the situation to provide more opportunities for kids to communicate. Because one of the other things that we have to do is sort of provide kids with lots of repetition, especially when they're learning a new skill. So I brought my Mr. Potato Head, which is one of my favorite toys. If you go to my blog, you'll see my first pun 
Healing with Purpose blog post is all about him. So one thing that I love to do with my toys is keep everything in clear boxes you can buy at wherever you like to shop. And so this helps with a couple of things. So first of all, this is going to help you with organization and cleaning up, which is a really nice thing for you as a parent. But it also allows us to control the situation a little bit more while we're playing with young kids, but still gives them access to the toys and the things that they want. So clarify for the people who are listening and not watching this video, we have Emily showing us a big plastic bin or small plastic bin in which a Mr. Potato Head type toy, or really it could be any toy, but this is a great strategy with something like Mr. Potato Head. There's a little plastic bin that has a lid and it's closed. And you're saying that this is a great way that the child can see inside. They can maybe be incentivized, I guess you could say, to say, oh, I know that toy. I like that toy. I want that toy. Yeah. Um, But you're saying that when we have it inside a box, we can have a little bit more control over it. And the other thing, since we're sort of describing what it looks like, um, in this case, for SLPs watching, I have a board maker image on here. But what I like to tell parents to do is to have a photograph of the toy. Or maybe you can cut out a piece of the packaging and reuse some of the packaging that it came in. And affix that to the outside of the box. Because that's going to help us as well, both hanging up and with helping our kids request. I like that, that there is there, this is the specific place where it goes. Everything has a home. Yep. But also, you can recognize it. It's a visual support, which we talk a lot about about on strength and words as well yeah and that's why I think the photographs are often better for most kids this is just how I have mine organized so what I like to do and I think this is true like we were saying this box happens to contain Mr. Potato Head but I think any kind of toy that has a lot of different parts is going to be great for doing something like this so a shape sword or another favorite toy that kids I work with like to play is that Fisher Price piggy bank that has all the different coins so again that's going to provide you lots of opportunities for repetition with either the same vocabulary or the same skill or whatever you're trying to work on. What I would do in that case, I would most likely keep the box in my lap and instead of either dumping out the whole toy in front of the child or setting the box open in front of the child. And what I would do is open the box. And in the case of Mr. Potato Head, I often give kids the potato and the shoes, we'll say. And I like picking the feet or the shoes because then it stands up on its own and then everybody has their hands free and you're limiting the number of items that you're bringing out at once too yes and so that's going to provide the child that I'm playing with lots of opportunities to make a request for what they want and need to reinforce them in some way with however they're communicating that request or maybe kids that aren't using words aren't using many words yet what I might do is take out two of the different toys and hold them up. So let's say I took out an arm and the eyes. And so I'm going to offer them choices. And that's going to help kids who don't have many words, aren't using words at all yet, get access to language because they have the language right in front of them or the item right in front of them. Yes. Right. They can make a choice. They can say what they want without actually verbalizing before they can verbalize. How does that shape into language, Emily? So giving choices is really great because like we were saying, it helps kids access language super easily. I like to describe, if you think about your brain as a giant filing cabinet, you're not having to sort through a million files to access something. You have two things right there in front of you to access. 
this is just sort of coincidence, I picked the arm and the eyes. So these two words happen to start with vowels, which we know are pretty easy sounds for kids to attempt to imitate, or might be early sounds that children develop. Maybe your child's looking at this yellow arm and going, ah, because they heard you say arm, and they produce that ah sound, and you can immediately reinforce that communication. So it's a lot of it's about also providing that immediate reinforcement so that the child has that like aha moment, like, oh, I did something that mom or dad or grandma really liked. That got a reaction, a positive reaction for them, and they were really happy and excited. I'm going to do that again because I like that response. Great. And so that's going to help shape sounds and words and things like that as well. Beautiful. All right, let's take just a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors, and then we're going to hear a few more more specific examples from you, Emily, about how we can do this. Do you want to provide an enriching environment without all the plastic bells and whistles? Do you want to know how to stimulate your infant or toddler's growth and development? Are you tired of trying to do this all in a vacuum? We were not meant to parent in isolation. That's why I've created the Strength in Words Community Lab, a content and community hub that brings you peace of mind. You have what matters when you need it most. Bite-sized morsels of developmental information, activity ideas to apply right now, parent support groups so you can feel empowered and supported in your parenting, developmental music classes, unprecedented access to professionals and special guests like the one we have today, and an active, engaged community of others like you. The Community Lab is an all-in-one resource that is not one-sized-fits-all. To take your free one-week trial and join us for everything I've just described, as well as member access to Q&A sessions with the featured guests I bring onto the podcast, come check out community.strengthenwords.com. Okay, Emily, let's get back to it. So I think another great tip that after I started telling parents to do this when, when they play and engage with their kids... I didn't realize how often I actually did it myself. And I think I probably just learned it from seeing other speech therapists with other children. But one thing I love to do, and this is another great reason it's important to be face-to-face or at eye level with the kids that we're working and playing with, is that I like to often hold toys up by my mouth. And so I mentioned before that, you know, kids learn by watching and by hearing. And so when I hold the toy up by my mouth, it's going to draw their attention to the object that we're playing with or the thing that they really want. And it's going to kind of like trick them into also seeing my mouth where I'm providing them some kind of verbal stimulation or model or whatever. So I think that's a super easy thing to Yeah, such a simple little hack. (laughs) Yes. Perfect. Great. And something that I think most parents wouldn't think about. Yeah. And I also, I do it a ton, um, especially like sometimes we have to um, help kids and sort of build their eye contact skills. And so I love to use, I have, I'm not going to blow bubbles because I'm actually in the library right now, but bubbles are a really great activity to do this with. So what I'll do, and you can see like my bubbles in another container also helps with keeping my therapy bag clean. But so what I like to do with bubbles is blow them and then try and catch the bubble on the wand. Not always the easiest thing to do. I'm holding the bubble wand and the bubble sitting on top of it. And then just kind of holding the bubble up by my face and sort of directing the child's attention. And as soon as they look at the bubble, maybe I pop it or I blow it again to sort of give them some immediate feedback that they responded and interacted with me in the way that I was hoping that they looked at me and looked at the object that we were playing with. Right. But it's so funny that you mentioned that exact example. I just gave this in a recent podcast episode about how you can, even with a teeny tiny infant, you can have that bubble right on the wand and encourage them 
to reach for it, to look at it, to make eye contact with you. There's so many things you can do just with that bubble idea. And the encouragement of them either, you know, pointing to it or verbalizing something. It's great because infants and toddlers, again, they learn holistically. When you are engaging their, that visual motor perception and communication development, right, you're both attending to the same thing. You're encouraging this gesture of reaching towards something like this is something you can do with a four month old or an 18 month old. It's wonderful. I think a lot of times we get questions as speech pathologists or other professionals from parents like what's what's the right toy for my child at this age? And I think what you're talking about, Emily, is so important because it is all about using these sort of open ended type materials that you can use really with any age and it's about meeting the child where they are yes so one guest who's our visitor who's tuning in with us brooke left a comment that i want to for everybody else she said that's great i always have her in my lap facing away from me so she's talking about her daughter and that's a really nice way to interact with your child you know there's sort of this loving warm feeling about having your child sitting in your lap but i definitely and i think this is like especially important when we're reading books with kids but we really want children to have that visual of our mouth so that they can learn and see speech. Yeah, and not only that, but also so they can see our faces, our facial reactions, and read our emotions as we talk about things. But yeah, that's such a great point, Emily. Thank you for that. Yeah. Do you have any other specific examples? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. One other tip, and I actually read this. This is sort of like a, a tweak on something that Maria Montessori had written about a long time ago. And I loved this idea. And so the idea is a really popular holiday gift or a popular gift or a toy for kids is a kitchen set. Mm-hmm. Whether that's some bigger thing that has a refrigerator and a stove and whatever, or just plate food or plastic plates and forks. Right. So sort of thinking about some of the placement of where we have toys in our home for kids. So your child is more likely to glean more vocabulary and have a slightly more enriched experience if that item, like that kitchen stuff that your child is playing with, is near or in your actual kitchen. Yes. And so, you know, I've seen parents do everything from, you know, finding a little corner or, you know, the bottom cabinet. And they move some of their pots and pans out and have things for their child that again, or that play food or their pretend kitchen stuff in the kitchen. So that way, while you're in the kitchen cooking or cleaning up for dinner or getting ready for breakfast or whatever, and you're talking about what you're doing, your child has opportunity to sort of use that language in their own way. Mm-hmm. So if you are a reader and you like to sit in a particular spot in your home, you know, you have a chair or some place that you read, you have some of your children's books in that same area. So you guys can kind of engage in or interact in activities at each of your own level but in the same space beautiful oh I love that it's true I think we think a couple things about that I think number one absolutely putting things in their homes and also having a space for your child to interact directly with the objects of everyday life and also that those are often the best toys Mm -hmm. and we often you know we think about oh I have to get my child a kitchen set because he or she is going to love that Well, yes, you can absolutely do that. I I have a wonderful kitchen of my own for my children, but you know what gets played with much more often, even than their kitchen, is 
my kitchen items. <laughs> and I have, I have actually an entire blog post about that. What some of the best, most unique birthday presents are for a one-year-old? Kitchen items. Yeah. <laughs> right? They're on wooden spoon and, you know, plastic. Nest, nesting bowls and stacking cups. I mean, these are, these are the toys that we buy, but in their own natural environment, right? So wonderful. That's great. And I love the, the reading nook or reading corner idea. That's very nice. Wonderful. What are some of your other favorite resources, Emily, for parents interested in, say, learning more about playing with purpose or using everyday routines and and really maximizing their time with their little one? Yeah. So I write the series on my blog. And so you can find my blog on my website, which is tandemspeechtherapy.com. There's a whole series about playing with purpose. I think I'm up to about 12 posts. And so Each of those is about a specific either toy or type of toy or like a routine. So I have like a post on bath time. I just, the post that I published last week was about family mealtime, kind of thinking about the holiday season and how you may have more time or time with, you know, all different kinds of family members sitting around the table and things that you can do. And in those posts, I kind of try to think about different ages that kids might be. So for, you know, really young children all the way up through maybe your elementary age kids that maybe are working on like a specific speech sound and speech therapy with their um, speech pathologist. I am a major proponent of the Hannon Center and I love their website. I love their resources and their books. They're written for parents to read, which I think is like one of the things that I love the most about their website. And they have tons and tons and tons of blogs and articles written about all kinds of different things, all sort of play related. Yes, and that's H A N E N for those of you who are just listening. And we'll, we'll of course, link to all of these things in the show notes as well. Yeah, and I believe that Hannon is a .org because they are a nonprofit organization if you're looking about that. Yeah, and I think that there are tons of other resources and books about play that I really love. And there's one that I was just reading, and of course, I can't think of the title of it right now, but I will look it up so that we can share it with the listeners and absolutely as well. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, Emily, and thanks to all of our Community Lab members who are here listening live. We are going to continue the discussion and open up for a Q&A session with you guys in just a minute. But for everyone listening from home or on the go, thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies. Goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye bigger kids. Goodbye all the siblings. Goodbye to the grown-ups. Goodbye to the singers. Goodbye Ayala. Goodbye to this music. We laughed and we played. We're getting very clever. This is what counts being here together. Thanks so much, everyone. If you feel inclined to support what we're doing here at Strength in Words, you can do so by joining our mailing list where you can receive weekly ideas and developmental information applicable to your infant or toddler to maximize the, ch- the connection between you and your baby and to bring you peace of mind. If you haven't done so already, please leave a review of the Strength in Words podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. That helps other people find the good work we're doing. Don't forget to check out community.strengthinwords.com, your content and community hub to make your play more productive. Come take a one-week trial on me. See you next time.